if I were to tell you, Andrew, there is a way for you to grow bigger than you ever have in your life, but the key will be that you can't go to failure anymore for the rest of your bodybuilding. Would you pick failure and enjoying training the way you enjoy, or would you pick being bigger? Oh, man. That, <laughs> so that, that, is, that is an extremely tough question, Scott. All right. Well, listen, we had a bunch of questions. We so we could go one of two ways here. We've got a bunch of questions from YouTube that everybody had left us on the last episode, which thanks everybody for that. Uh, and then we're getting questions in the live feed here. Uh, we could save the questions from YouTube and do those with Skip yeah. and, and a guest later at another time and tackle these. Or we could. What do you think, man? Well, I think we got to reward our live listeners, so let's let's go right. to those guys. Let's All go right, to cool. their questions. We'll just make this. Yeah, this will be fun. This will be fun. I saw something in particular that I'd be curious to hear your experience on because uh, I know you've been, uh, you know, a mountain dog guy. You know, obviously, you you you're considered one of the uh, mountain dog diet guys, and I know you've had a ton of experience doing John's programs and training with him in person. Um, this is a question related to mountain dog training. He says, uh, in a chest and shoulder session in mountain dog gamma bomb, I had to do rear delts, laterals, and front raises for sets of 25. It crushed me due to not being able to do those high reps. Uh, what do you think about that sort of work? How often do you use it and any favorite exercises for it? And also his uh, profile picture is fucking off the charts i'm terrified i don't know what that is yeah what is that creepy is that an alien or is that a monster i think it's an alien that needs to breathe through different mechanisms oh, their own Earth he's got oxygen like, it's like gills kind of hooked up the pipes yeah okay. that's that's something special yeah uh <laughs> first off i gotta say the guy on the cover of gamma bomb is probably the most handsomest guy i've ever seen uh you know he's one of the three on there and um Anyway, I'll see if I can bring that up while you're talking here. Yeah, see if you can guess who it is. But uh, all, right, all right, so he's asking about <laughs> the high reps for the rear delts and for the front delts, okay? For me personally, I here's how I like to do shoulders. I like my presses to be somewhere in the 8 to 10s, and I like my laterals to be in that high rep range. The, the, the crazy burn, uh, just build up tons and tons of metabolic byproducts. And... You know, I, th I think that I remember the workout he's at, he's talking about. You're supposed to do four sets of 25 on like a rear delt machine with only 45 seconds of rest. So think about that for a minute. Just think about the burnt. Like you're not really even recovered by the time you get to your second one, your third one. Now the set, the, the weight you're going to be using is going to be like half the weight you could do for like a set of 12 to 15, right? Okay. So, uh, you know, I think it's th that type of training for at least for my rear delts has been the most productive work I've done because you just put, it's kind of like with like arms. I, I like in rear delts and, and, and side delts in a sense, the arm work where for me, I don't want to go heavy typically on most of those exercises because I just get joint pain. I want to fill as, fill the tissue up with as much blood as possible and get a crazy pump so I can flex in the mirror a little bit. And, you know, and I, and I, well, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I, I like do. to work them um, antagonistically, like when it comes to arms with rear delts and front delts and side delts, I like to do the same thing. Like it's not uncommon for us, if we're doing something similar to do like six sets of 20 rear delts immediately into six sets of 20 side delts into six sets of 20 front delts over the course of like 
eight minutes or so. And it's basically you go and then your partner goes, you goes and your partner goes. Yeah. We're not talking crazy weights. You know, we're talking like 15 to 20 pound dumbbells for, for both of those and trying to keep your form as strict as you possibly can. So you're keeping it right on the Dell head, not allowing your traps to take over or your scapula or anything. And just the pump you get from that is crazy. I, like and I don't that. know about you, but I have a, I, I have a hard time getting my shoulders to be sore hmm. unless I do something like that. Yeah, like yeah. a typical, you know, four sets of ten, four sets of fifteen, or something like that. Yeah, I'll feel it maybe the next day, but a four sets of twenty-five, uh, followed by like a four sets of twenty-five of the fronts. Like, I'm like, oh man, I feel that. Like for two or three days later. It, you know what? It, I, I think too with his question, I almost feel like because I'm right in line. Like I love what you're talking about here, and I can get on board with that. But I think it takes a different mindset toward those sets. You know what I mean? You're not you're not going in with the mindset you would use for four sets of ten. This is something where yeah. there's a kind of like a cumulative effect of continuing to do it. You know, well, it's the complete opposite of like a top set and the back offset to failure. Yeah, right? yeah. It's it's complete opposite mindset for that. So the weight you need to use is going to be you know fifty sixty percent of the weight you would be using. You know, for uh, you know if you were doing like a set of ten. So you just can't go into it thinking that you're going to hammer out, you know, if you're fairly strong, you know, 35, 40 pound dumbbells on your side laterals and think you're going to be able to sustain four sets of 20 with that. It's no, just God, no. So, right? so like, I, I'm looking at the cover here. I see I see Mr. IFB Pro Andrew Barry. This is not a very good picture of, of the cover <laughs> on the left. Is that is that Sean Clarita? That is Sean. Sean Clarita on the right. Who is the female? We, we actually... Ivana Vusic. Oh, yeah. Ivana okay. Ivana it's so Vusek fuzzy. I can't friends. tell, but I should have known yeah. by those freaking delts. Me and Sean were actually with John for several. Of the, I think we did a we did a leg day one night. Or maybe, maybe Sean didn't show up for leg day. But we did leg day, and then we did a back day the next day. And then I think we did we did chest and shoulders the day after that. So we did like a three-day workout at um, Bev's gym. Uh, oh, in, nice. uh So, yes, it, yeah, it was, it was cool. You know, I, I I have to say something too. I think about the way, you know, John would talk about the the mindset of his training, uh, and you you can probably fill me in on this if I have any part of it wrong, Andrew. But the way I understood it is, one of John's thoughts is, you know, if we can if we can grow certain muscle fibers by doing lower reps, then we should grow those. But if we can grow some other muscle fibers by doing higher reps, we should grow those too. And I think there's something to be said about let's hit all the rep ranges, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. is there anything that you're leaving out if you're doing four sets of 10 on laterals? Could you have possibly tapped into some other fibers by going to those higher reps? And I think there is some reality to that, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of it also has to do with the angle pination of uh, like the way the fibers are arranged in that tissue. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, like around your pack, like how they, they stretch this way. Yeah. The way the, the, way the fibers are arranged, um, I think they're more densely packed. And for, I might be wrong here and I might just be making this up, but I feel like sounds good. they respond. Yeah, you know, someone someone's gonna go on and be like, "You're so full of shit." But I, I, we can ask Scott uh, Stevenson about this because yes. he's usually my go-to with questions like this. Um, I feel like they're more closely arranged, and they they do better with higher repetitions because there's more uh, metabolic byproduct buildup, and they respond better to that than they do mechanical tension in the same way that like a chest press would or a shoulder press. Or yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. 
I think, and I think no matter what though, like no matter what the muscle part is, the body part is that being able to hit something from various techniques, like I love progressive overload, you know what I mean? I like, Same. I absolutely love it, but I think there's a place for also adding more volume in and being able to get a pump. You know, that's why the mountain dog stuff has always made so much sense to me that, you know, the way mm -hmm. I try to train is get the muscle warmed up, then go to the, my heavy meat and potatoes, then volumize it. And then if I remember mm -hmm. to get a stretch, you know, those are that you nailed the four tenets right there. Um, the only other thing I'll say about this, particularly like the rear delts. Uh, yeah. One thing that Don was big on was not necessarily taking every single rep, the full range of motion huh. because, and I'll actually, you'll, you'll notice this too. Like if you're doing uh, like a rear delt machine or rear delt swings, you get to like 15 and you're supposed to get five more. By just keeping, by making sure you're keeping your form uh, still exactly perfect. I'm trying to imitate it here, though you can't see. Uh, but let's say you're only taking it like three quarters of the way and then halfway, and then you're just barely moving it. You're still creating a tension as long as you're getting your rear delt to initiate that movement. And you will fatigue the hell out of them versus trying to get 20 reps and, uh, with haphazard form where you're, now you're starting to let your traps take over if you're trying to go yeah. the full range of motion that you started with. So yeah. it's not uncommon when it says four times 25. And I think um, if we ask this person, I think Andrew, um, if you looked in the program, it'll say like, don't worry if all your reps don't make it the full hmm. range of motion. He, he makes a point of saying that a lot of the time. And that was a big lesson I learned from him because actually the first time I contacted John back in 2011 or 12 was a question about rear delts because mine just weren't growing very well. You know, had a bigger chest, good front delt, medial delt, but then how were your the side? How were your traps? Traps were probably overdeveloped comparatively because okay. I've been using them a little too much. Yeah, because you know that that was one of the things I was kind of thinking of mentioning too for rear delts is I feel like because you you said something that made me think that if you try to get those full reps and then your traps mm -hmm. take over. And then I was like, oh yeah. Cause you know what? A lot of people do that. A lot of people, you, they go to do, they don't have great rear delts. And the thing they're doing is they're pinching those traps together and they're using yes. their traps instead of using that rear delt. And it, you yes. know, and I think that if we look at people's, if you look at your own exercises, like shoot video, you can kind of see like, well, is the target muscle really doing the exercise? And it used to be, mm -hmm. Years ago, I used to think, well, maybe, maybe I just don't have good genetics for whatever, you know, rear delts. But then it turns out maybe I just wasn't training them. You know, I was training my traps instead, right? Well, the way I like to teach that and I like to do it myself is I try to keep my pinky as far away from myself as possible when I'm doing oh, a rear delt exercise. I like that. Okay, So yeah. I'm almost... I'm almost like pushing it forward yeah. so that I'm completely like, wh when is the trap going to be weakest when you're stretching it out? Right. Either yep. when it's completely contracted or when it's completely stretched. And I want to completely stretch it out so that I'm just getting that movement as if people can see me with my, um, it's like an arc, you know, or a semicircle arc, yep. but I'm trying to keep my pinky as far away from myself as possible. And that helps me really engage my rear delts. I like that. Let's see what else we have here. We had a bunch of other questions. Uh, Let's see. Alfonso is back. Uh, another training question. And by the way, guys, I'm sorry, Andrew. I don't know if you noticed, man, your screen, and it's been doing this since we connected. Uh, your screen's it's a fuzzy. Well, it's freezing every few seconds. We get like a freeze. Okay. And then you start moving again. So anybody who's hanging with us through the freezes, I appreciate you guys uh, being able to tolerate. We're doing the best we can. You know, that's yeah. it's all we can do. I apologize. You can't do anything more, you know. Uh, Alfonso's with us again, uh, by the way. Best-looking guy. Yeah. It, Best-looking uh Where's this member? at? He, he, he commented. He said, my wife 
laughed her ass off when she listened to Skip's comment on my profile <laughs> pic. His 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 wife. Sure, yeah. Alfonso. <laughs> he probably found this picture off some some guy out some model off the internet. But yeah, is, exactly. I'm, I'm it had to be. It had to be. <laughs> I'm glad he has a good sense of humor. Uh, he says yeah. uh, thoughts on reverse hyper machine for bodybuilding purposes to target glutes and hamstrings. Would you purchase it over a leg curl machine? I train in my garage, and I'm thinking about adding one. Want me to take it? Yeah, man. We can bullshit our okay. ideas on this one. First off, I really don't think you can replicate a good ham curl machine. So I would absolutely not trade a reverse hyper for the ham curl machine. What I would do is there's a lot there's a lot of ways to replicate the reverse hyper machine with like a mat on the floor and tucking your ankles underneath. Um, like if you have a rack of some sort that's just elevated slightly. Mm. Like we have a we have a cable rack, right? That's probably seven or eight inches off the ground. So I bring a mat over and I tuck it down. So I put my knees on, yeah. tuck my ankles under the bar. And then, cause I'm not very good at them. I take a band and suspend it down or sideways from the cable rack around my chest yep. to take a little bit of my weight off, especially as I get down lower. And that way I'm able to do reverse hypers. I'm sorry. He's asking about reverse hypers. I was thinking of a different machine. My bad. Either way, I still would not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was mistaken a different machine that my brain just went somewhere else. I wouldn't, but either way, I'd still stick with it. Uh, you, you, but you can also re, uh, replicate the reverse hyper with, um, you know, if you have, I know I, I've seen maybe at Elite FTS, uh, I know they have like plenty of reverse hypers, but I've seen someone lay on a, on a block of like a, you know, like those big soft blocks people use for jumping on. Yes. For your vertical. They lay on it and then they just raise their legs up and down. Mm, okay. Um, I don't think also that that's necessarily the best exercise you can do for glutes. Uh, you yeah. know, I would put, yeah, I, I mean, I would do hip thrusts. I would yeah. do stiff like a deadlift or a variation of, or I would do, uh, my favorite for glutes is a hyper extension machine, regular hyper, mm -hmm. where you're, you're setting the pad lower on your mm -hmm. waist than you would for a regular hyper for your lower back. And I turn my toes out and I drive my heels into the ground so my toes are up. And we've actually been doing a lot of these lately. And I'm telling you what, you will stretch the hell out of your hamstrings to where it feels like you're really pulling the back of your mm. knee. Yeah. And you're stretching your glutes. And then when you come up, just use your glutes to pull you up. It, you, you don't even need to come all the way up. Like if really you, like if you round your back a little, you know what I mean? Like don't exactly, arch. Exactly. That helps a ton with exactly. that. I agree with you 100%. I haven't thought about the feet pointed out thing, but I, I can totally see because you're kind of you're kind of squeezing in then is what you're what I'm thinking. here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that could be good, man. I but I'll tell you what, if if I were to have to choose between a hamstring curl and a lot of other machines, I think I would agree with you that the hamstring curl is hard to replace. So it's something I would want to have in my own home gym, you know. Yeah. You depending on whether you got a line or a ha uh, skeeted hamstring curl, even some some both uh, both of variations might work for this. You can set it up where you're doing the uh, quadruped hip extension where you're on all fours. Yeah. And if you set the pad up the right way, you get your heel underneath it and you can drive it up if, if you really want to target the glutes. Yeah. Um, I just don't think you can beat direct hamstring work um, with anything yeah. but a ham curl. I like I like my seated. I have a seated hamstring curl. If I could go all out, you can get um, and you're you know, you got to think of space in a garage gym, too. Yeah. They do make and they're usually really nice. Uh they make a combo machine like you'll see it in hotels sometimes and it like life fitness has a combo machine that does both extensions 
and leg curls. Because yeah. if you're getting, if you get a ham curl, the next thing you need is an extension. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you get their combo. You want to have both of them, kind of. I feel like I saw a really reasonably priced one on a website that I just bought something. I, I bought a, I bought a belt squat for a friend. It, it's more of like, it's not really. It's not the whole belt. It's not like a pit shark. I didn't buy him like a three thousand pit shark. I bought yeah. him. It's this, you've probably seen them on Instagram. It's this attachment that goes into a rack. Yes. It goes, and then you can hang the chain and you can do your, your squats. You can do rows with it. You can do a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, I think it's called revolt fitness. They might sell. I thought I saw a, a leg curl, seated leg curl, leg extension, um, mm. you know, double, double machine, which was like really reasonably priced for home gym. I've seen, I mean, you can get, um, like, uh, Titan fitness and other companies make plate loaded, uh, hamstring yep. curl, like seated hamstring curls. The only thing you got to watch with those are, I think you can get a lot of momentum with some of those machines. Mm -hmm. So you got to really kind of like, you have to, you have to take it slow. And I've heard that bands work really nice on those because you're not going to mm -hmm. get the same momentum out of a band. But I would agree that True. like if, if you don't have, if you're trying to train legs, like, and that was a thing, man, when I built my home gym, the, the like the first thing I got was a, uh, well, I got a squat rack and then I got the leg press and the hack squat. And I was like, well, if I'm going to have these two things and I'm going to get a true leg workout in, I got to have an extension and a curl too, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it, it's a commitment though. Like, I mean, realistically though, I, out of all the equipment that you need for a home gym, I would say that legs is, we, and I think we've talked about this before, legs is like the number one thing you want equipment for. You can do a ton with, with back, with free weights, a ton with chest if you have a bench, you know, you, you mm -hmm. might want to pull down, you know, I like a pull down is nice. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, beyond that, it's like you can work around a lot from there. Yeah. Especially if your pull down doubles is like a, a cable rack on the other side so that you yeah. could do like triceps, biceps, and even like seated rows. I've seen some of those variations out there. So yeah, yeah there's some good pieces out there. I think uh, lead FTS has some good stuff. Uh, Titan fitness, like you mentioned, obviously rogue. Uh, yeah. There's a bunch of others out there. There's so many products out there now. It's crazy. Yeah, there is, man. And I feel like they blew up even more, you know, with the with the whole pandemic and all that. Like the home gym market exploded. So one of my training partners, he took got a job right before that whole thing, the whole lockdown thing happened with yeah. a home gym company. And like his commissions were like through the roof. Like I he couldn't keep imagine. up with like and they were one of these companies that didn't jump the weight up like triple the price that you're seeing like oh, a lot shit. of these other like like the value of a weight went up three times for a lot of areas, but these guys didn't. Yeah. Um, so they had to fight and scrounge just to get enough, um, you know, weight machines, whatever to, to supply people. But That's it, was, crazy. it was good for his, his take home. Yeah. I, I bet. I bet it was. I, I heard speaking of that. Uh, Do you hear Peloton? Their stock crashed. They, I think they built really? themselves too big. Yeah. Yeah. They like, they did go from here to here, like overnight. Yeah. I feel like so. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I did see. I think their price point's a little high because there's a similar company, which I can't, someone's going to remember the name. Um, it's like a similar name to Peloton that does the exact same thing, and their bikes and equipment was priced like, like I want to say forty to fifty percent of what Peloton's was. Oh so, no, kidding! Yeah, I think they might have. They they developed the market, but then they got undercut too quickly. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that personally. Like for me and my cardio, I just I want to do it. I get me on a podcast or something, you know, and. That's, that's all I need. I don't, I don't want to have like the interactive thing that doesn't, I don't need it for motivation, I guess. Motivation to me is like getting leaner, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Getting off and feeling like you did your work and you're a little bit leaner than you were before you got on. Yeah. 
but you're also talking to a guy who uh, doesn't uh, like injectable orals. So Andrew's old school. I'm old school too. So <laughs> I, oh, I said I just don't have that much experience with them. That's the only thing. So. Yeah. But uh, but you're you're piquing my interest now. All right. So let's see. Peter's got one here, guys. By the way, if you are watching, if you're hanging out with us, feel free to comment because we're just making this a live feed question extravaganza. Peter says, uh, important question for the show. Who the hell makes a suit big enough for Nate to wear to a wedding? Uh, did he need to pay for two? That's a good question. Is that on social media right now? Uh, that it was must last be. night, actually. Okay. The wedding. But there's a, there's a, there's a picture of him wearing a suit. Yeah. On his story. Okay. Uh, well, I will tell you. So my, one of my friends got married the same day as USA's in 2000, 2019. Yeah. Uh, we were actually, me and Nate were going to go out there and he was going to do that show, but we decided not to because I had to be at this wedding. I was the actual, uh, what do you call it? The justice of the peace or officiator. Oh, I'm you're kidding that, me. Yeah. Yeah. You're I got the official? whole day. I, I was inefficient for a day. Yes. So, okay. Um, do you want to do another one? But I, but, Come out to Michigan. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. It was actually fairly easy. They prepped me really well. But uh, but back then I was, you know, this is before I had started a contest prep, I think. So I was like, I was in the 280s. And uh, the company they had to try a few times. It was a local company that does suits. And the, and the problem you always run into when you're a bigger guy with muscle is – to get the shoulders big enough, the waist is going to be bigger than it needs to be. Like oh, you're going to feel like, yeah. and it, I think the person did a pretty good job tailoring Nate, but it, it looks like you're kind of swimming in your clothes around your midsection. So it, it's not the best look either that, or you're going to go a size too small and it's like, like cutting off your shoulders, like real skinny fit. So I can see that. So those are your two options. I can see that for sure. Oh, I got my picture here. Nate, here it is. Boom. Yeah. He looks good. Yeah. Absolutely. It, good. it works for him. Yeah. You know what so I, I'll uh, give you, so I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about. So do you see how long the arms are? Yep. I sure do. To be able to, to be able to address how big his shoulders need to be. Yeah. So typically suits will cut off like right here. So you can have the cuff come out a little bit. Okay. Right. Yeah. So typically they have to get you a suit for basically a fat guy and yeah, they try to you know bring it in where they can, I guess, but yeah, it fits them well though. Yeah. I had a suit tailored, um nice. several years back that's the the jacket i'm going to use for our wedding nice which is going to be in just a couple of weeks now guys um and it fits good like but i'm I'm glad i could use that jacket because if not i would have been screwed there's no there's no bodybuilder because like i'm not even i'm obviously i'm not nate spear size but i'm big enough that oh, yeah. i like the shirts the, the the shirts they had at the department stores i'm the biggest size like it's yep. my neck is 18 and the biggest shirt they have is a 17 and a half. So yeah. I can not button the top button is what I have to do. Well, you know? well then you'll probably also be running into the thing I'm talking about where like the length of it's too long and too, I guess, too round at the bottom. So that you're like tucking, you're tucking more in than you a lot need of, to. It's like a whole tablecloth basically. Beyond, yeah, you know what I'm exactly. saying? I did see yeah. there was a, a couple shirts that were like, they had them designed where they were cut shorter. Like you could wear them untucked as well. And that was nice, yeah. you know. That would give me a little bit, a little bit more space. There was a company at North Americans that was doing these tailored suits, but it was like, it was almost like a spandex material. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's called bu buffery or bu bu yeah, I think buffery suits or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. I have but. not. 
uh, Scott needs to have pants tailored for his <laughs> softballs. The pants I got are very, um, they're they're very stretch like, which is nice, man. Yeah. You got to have that that stretch fabric. If I had the jacket stretch, that would be cool too. Yeah. Let's see. Looking through the questions here. Uh, have either this is from Doug, one of my guys who's in a off season right now. Have either of you guys tried micro dosing daily sub Q injections of gear rather than IM injections? Recently saw John Jewett's post about the topic and was wondering what your thoughts were. Seems like the oil would cause lots of irritation in nodules to form sub Q. Dude, sometimes I'd experimented with it. We were talking about the injectable orals. I, I had been doing so many shots at that point that I was like, screw it, man, I'm going to try. And the volume of that stuff was too high, but that's because I was trying to do like a CC at a time. <laughs> so did it just sit underneath the skin? It caused irritation is what ended up yeah. happening. Um, yeah. Who was it? I forget the name of the guy. He, he, there was a TRT doctor here in Michigan, and he, he kind of brought it to light. Uh, he, yeah. he started the sub Q TRT, uh, and they, they were doing, I, I definitely like have seen, CCs. yeah, I definitely have seen the TRT, uh, sub Q, but typically what that's usually like a, an insulin pin of, you know, what, you know, up to, um, you know, Dr. Chrysler, that's who it was. Remember him? That sounds familiar. Yeah. I think he's been on, um, some podcasts and whatnot. He was, he but, passed away. It, uh, but he he was he was friends oh, with yeah. Carl Lenore and Carl was talking about it. They were using straight up uh, one. They were using straight up like three cc syringes and doing like really? your full milliliter taking sub Q. Believe it or not, I, I have never done that. Um, but I do know that it's a it is a TRT thing. Um, I do like the daily injections, especially during a contest prep. But absolutely, but I, I would do it intermuscular. I would just rotate sites pretty regularly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, overall, you still get the benefit, you know, by taking it. Oh, absolutely, so absolutely. You could do it, yeah. you know, and if you're doing it, if you're doing micro dosing, uh, you know, it could work for sure. I don't, I don't, I don't have any problem with it. Put it that way. Would you have me a, neither? Like yeah, if a client neither. was like, "Hey, I prefer to do this." Not at all. Yeah. I mean, I would probably dive into the research, or I'd, I'd ask Scott, I'm like, "Hey, have you seen anything of sub Q versus intramuscular benefits or negatives?" and if so, can you point me in that direction so I can read on it? Yeah. I don't think I've ever, I, I, I know I've looked into it a little bit. I don't think I've ever seen anything wrong with it. And if it works for him, then hey, go do do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd fully support that. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think of any other angles on that that I would have. I, I don't have anything. I guess I don't have anything else to say either. Just watch the irritation. You know, that would be my main yep, concern. Yeah. All right. What else you guys got for us? Here's a question for Derek if he's listening. When is your next contest, buddy? Uh, I don't know if he's. I know. You know this information. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know if he's telling people. He might be. I think uh, he actually told people on the last podcast we recorded. Actually, I think his coach Dave Callick did, and he kind of like looked because uh, he. What I don't think he said anything yet. Yeah, but it's going to be soon. They're like they're dieting already. Okay. Like they died. They started oh, early. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I think the plan was they wanted to, you know, he, he's a guy that he he could have been leaner last time around, and yeah. and they really want to get him peeled. So he's committed to I, you know, early. I think a truly peeled Derek Austin can compete with anybody in the two twelve. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Right. Yeah. 
He's so got that incredible we'll shape, early. you know? Yeah. And he keeps his fullness really well, and he's an excellent poser. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Absolutely. What do we got here? Jonathan. He says, um, suggestions for AI use when using t and test no ester. I've seen both sides saying it's so quick in and out that there's no need. And also that there is the reason you do need to use one. Uh, I plan to use 50 to 100 milligrams three to four times a week on top of my TRT um, plus uh, 250 test and 100 milligrams of mast E planning on Primo test cycle something in the next two months. Um, first time using Primo. Also, how long can someone use T and E like that realistically? So I guess first off, it sounds like there's a lot of drug use. The mounts aren't crazy, but it just sounds like a re- kind of really long extended cycle. Like for me, just me personally, if it's a if I'm using like a if I'm doing 250 megs of test, that's typically probably all I'm going to be using that or like 250 test, 250 primo or something like that, and that's going to be it. I wouldn't be adding in. Uh, a TNE and then immediately jump into a higher dose cycle of like higher tests and higher primo. Hmm. That's just me. I'm 38. You know, I spend most of the year just half natty now. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and just from a safety realm. And I would just advise, make sure you're getting your blood work done. Um, yeah. I know back in the day, guys have been like, Oh yeah, I just bridge one cycle to the next cycle to the next cycle. And you know, you know, old people are people who get sick, you know, not, not young guys, but I think we're seeing, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Dante sends me every other week, somebody that's gone down in our sport that a lot of people might not know who they are. They might be from Europe or they might be from South Africa or something, but they were somebody at some point and, you know, they really hit it hard and just did these cycles one after another and it caught up to them in some way, shape or form. So, um, and maybe I'm just, I get a little bit of that information. So it kind of sits in the back of my mind a little bit more these days, but, um, we put the question back up again. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Um, you got to scroll back up and find There we go. Oh, his question was about AI dose. Yeah, yeah. All my experience is that guys will typically need to use uh, more AIs. Not not necessarily a lot, but just more, more frequently. So, you know, like, I mean, it, I guess I would ask him, what is he using for an AI now if he is at all? I would assume maybe not if he's just doing... Was uh, I plan on using? He was doing two fifty test and one hundred yeah. mass D. Okay, so I probably wouldn't use an AI. That w- my go to would not be an AI in a situation like that, unless someone says, "Hey, I have experience with two hundred fifty megs of test, and my estrogen climbs through the roof, or I'm having these side effects." Right? Yeah, yeah. But but I with the addition of the TNE, even though it's it's a very, I mean, it's no ester. It's we'll say it's the fastest ester, being that it's no ester. Yeah. Um, I. I do think you need to use like a 0.5 milligrams of Arimidex, um the day of of the time, uh, the day of taking the shot of the TNE. Whereas yeah. other compounds, I would probably take it the day after. You're going to get, because you're, yeah. I mean, if you were going to need it, you're going to need it pretty much right away. You know, that test is yeah. going to be in and it's going to metabolize and break down to yeah. whatever it's going to break down to, be it estrogen or DHT. Uh, but you're going to have that breakdown happen really fast. So I think you could you could watch yourself, too. You know, it's going to be weird. Yeah. Like, it's hard to say, you know, it would be hard to say exactly how much as well, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course we always, what's the go-to get blood work done, you know, get blood work done the day of you doing, um, you know, one of these shots and see exactly what it does versus a day where you're not doing it, I guess, or a day or or, or your baseline of, I was going to say, once that breaks down, your estrogen could be higher. I mean, you're probably going to get fluctuation in estrogen, but it, you know, you may find that your estrogen just sits higher than it would have without using it. Like, figure, think about like if you know, let's say uh, it's you know, Monday through Friday, you end up taking a few shots. Then I bet you by mm-hmm. Monday, your estrogen would be higher than it would have been previous Monday. You know. That, that's exactly where I'm coming from. Yeah. I think it's going to be like this, but the gradual over time is going to start coming up a little bit more and more each week. Yeah, yeah. And I will so say maybe too, like weeks. Go ahead. Maybe the first three weeks you don't need to, but then the longer you continue it, you might want to consider based off side effects that you might be seeing. Yeah, I, I was going to add that you know I, I see a lot of side effects coming from hormonal fluctuation. So. Yeah. I think risks of side effects could be higher, you know, with something like this um, versus something that was real stable, like Master Ani he was mentioning, you know, or Primo. Are you thinking like ac- are you thinking like acne in particular or um... uh, acne and gyno as well, you know, yeah, or gyno. Yep. fluid retention yeah. stuff, you know, just anything that you don't necessarily yeah. want, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then he asked, how long would we run a TNE for? Yeah. I think for me, like I wouldn't run it longer than four weeks. Again, I'm a little bit more on the conservative side and I would, and the way I advise people to use TNE, it's literally for a particular day out of the week, not necessarily four or five days out of the week. It's more like, okay, we're trying to bring up your back. We're trying yeah. to improve those lifts. We're going to load up some TNE on those days only. Same, like we were talking with the orals uh, yep. earlier today. Um, same idea. You ever use uh TNE yourself? No. It's good. It's real good. In fact, I have a vial of uh, Tesnoester and D-Ball together. Oh, wow. Jesus. I've been sitting on that for like a decade. Is it like sitting on your mantle right there? Like you're looking at it every five yeah. minutes? Like yes. uh, maybe tomorrow's the day. Yeah. Tomorrow's the day. <laughs> I have in a little glass no, box like- with a hammer outside of it, you know? No, like, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, I've been more, I guess, in the traditional line of thinking with compounds. And I've, myself, I've stayed away from like the fast stuff, like the TNE or the injectable orals or uh, what are some of the other kind of sexy ones out there? Um, they, those are the main things I'd be meant. Yeah. Uh, I have used meant. Yeah. Okay. I, I have okay. used meant. Yeah. So you're yeah, you're so. doing what the cool kids are doing still. You're cool still, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my my whole thing was always that you know, if the guys in the '80s didn't even have access to trend the same way we do today, and they put out some incredible physiques, and then the guys at '90s got trend and GH and all that stuff, and they put out some even better physiques, in my opinion. And then two thousand, you know, Jay Cutler in the two thousands and all, like. I was very happy with that. And I think if I can get some benefit with my genetic set in the same way that they got benefit in their genetic set, I don't necessarily need to dabble in some of those designer, I call them designer drugs, I guess. Yeah. I'm not necessarily opposed to it. Like if someone says, Hey, I have this, this, and this, this is what I want to try. What do you think? I'd be like, all right, let's, let's give it a shot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So as long as it's not going to cause an issue, you know what I mean? It's like, as long as it wasn't something that was going to cause an issue, why not? That's the way I'd see it. Yeah. Remember, there's a compound. It was an injectable peptide, and oh man, it's gonna—I can't remember the name of it. But the it, it, the users that were able to handle it, 
and by handle it, I mean like stay on it for like 10 or 12 days at a time, put on like, I want to say like 15 or 20 pounds of noticeable weight that looked lean. But every time they injected it, their whole body became like so ill. Like the, every cell in their body knew it was a poison. Oh, like shit. they would start coughing. Um, it wasn't like folostatin or anything like that. No, 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 no. It was something beyond that. And I remember reading someone talking about it saying huh. like they thought they were going to die. Like PT they thought they were literally dying. No, no, I've done that. That's that's nothing. Okay. Um, I'm talking like they threw up instantly. They're, I mean, within 20 minutes of taking it, oh, they had a oh. huge hot flush. Yeah, I don't it, know what it is either. I know what you're talking about. So, though. so this guy, he finishes the story. I think on the forum I was reading, where he's like, "Man, I thought I was going to die. Like, I didn't even go to the gym that day." He's like, "But I woke up the next day and I looked like I had put on five pounds of muscle. So I did it again <laughs> and again." Oh, and he's God. like, "I think he only trained like three or four times in this ten or twelve day period of taking it until finally he was like, I couldn't go to work. I was calling out sick. Like, I, I just couldn't do it any longer. But it was awesome when I did it." Oh my God. We had, uh, what was this, another mountain dog training question from Doug. He says, uh, many of John's programs take a lot of time to complete. Is there a specific one out there that can be completed in an hour or less? An hour or less, probably not. But an hour and 15 minutes, if you're by yourself, definitely. Um, you know, I think the avalanche program, you could get it done an hour or hour and 10 minutes or so. Uh, Creeping death too. Um Oh, even the, the uh, Game of Bomb, you could probably get that done pretty quickly. Again, this is if you're training by yourself and you're not dicking around your phone and, you know, you're taking the minimal rest pace, you know, rest periods that you needed to. But a program like, say, the Sentinel, which is more of like a, like, you'll do three upper body, uh, you'll do like three chest exercises, two triceps, three shoulder, two or three shoulders, and then three back exercises. Wow. And then the next day you'll do, yeah, the next day you'll do a glute, two calves, an ab, and then two or three hamstring exercises and maybe one quad. Okay. And then the next day you're going back to that upper body split, except this time you're doing an extra back exercise of one less chest. So you get what I'm saying here? Like you're training your whole upper body with all, the same amount of volume you would for a full body workout, but yeah. multiple, multiple body parts really. So wow. I would stay away from the Sentinel. I would stay away from um, the Executioner probably. But I would I would look at the gamma bomb probably. Yeah, I I, I could see that, and I, I think um, I think part of it too kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with uh, the, the the approach that you have. If you're gonna do a workout that has a ton of sets in it, you're not gonna be able to like get that focus the way you would on a you know top set back off set for that you know each each exercise you're doing right. Well. And, and, and you probably feel the same way. I hate feeling like I'm rushed to do a workout. Like yeah. I hate to feel like I have a time constraint of like, I've got to be out of the gym at X amount of time. So yeah. you're counting backwards that whole time, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, here's, here's my advice. I would actually just cut one set, like, like still do your warm up. almost treat it more like a, like a, um, a main set back off set workout. Take any of his programs because Gamma Bomb is very similar to that. Maybe just do one less of the working sets on two or three of the exercises that yeah. maybe you have that you're stronger in, in terms of body part or uh, in, in your physique, you know? Yeah, that would make sense. Does, uh, does John have you go to failure on most, like, like, or let me ask you this. Does he do a lot of reps in reserve in, in, cause I haven't seen a ton of that in the plans I've seen of John's, but 
So every program is slightly different, but for instance, we have this RPE scale that we'll put on every set. So let's say you're doing seated ham curls and it'll say, you know, three sets of 12, but that last set of 12 is a drop set with static holds. So the first, it'll say do two warm up weight uh, sets with like 10 or 12 reps, you know, yeah. let's say 50 pounds, 80 pounds. And then your first working set, it'll say RPE of like eight meaning leave three or four reps in the tank. Right. And then your next set will be RPE of nine, leave two reps in the tank. And then the last one will be RPE of 12 because you're going to failure and you're going to be doing multiple intensity techniques like a drop set and um, either a static hold or a partial partial reps. So, so yeah, we do have an RPE scale on almost every program now. And you, not only that, but, but it sounds like you are, you are going to failure still. Like, I, I guess here's the thing is um, I, uh, I was looking at a, a plan from somebody I, I, I'm working with, uh, you know, we're doing he's off season. We've got, you know, complete control of the nutrition, complete control of the supplementation. Uh, but he's using a training plan that, uh, a, you know, a coach has put together in the industry that's advertising training plans. And there are weeks where everything is several reps in reserve, and then, you know, yep. then less reps in reserve for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, maybe it'll go to, I don't, I don't know yet, but I think it may go to no reps in reserve at some point. And I just, I, I was trying to visualize myself and how I felt about that, about, and I just guess I, I wanted to ask your opinion on it. You know, what, what do you think about like how that idea of like, like nothing is in reps and reserve or, you know, three reps in reserve, nothing's to failure for, you know, the next couple of weeks. Uh. Well, okay. So in that respect of the whole reps and reserve thing for several weeks in a row, to me, that's a deload. Um, now, I know that there are some people putting out research, like uh, I believe like uh, Mike Isretel and some other people, some other coaches are putting out some stuff about how, you know, submaximal training can be more beneficial in some instances. Yeah. But, yeah. And that's why I'm asking, right? you know. But I, I find it hard to wrap my head around it. And even yeah, when some too. of this research comes... Yeah, right. Like even when some of this research comes from um, like Dr. Bradley Schoenfeld, who's, you know, probably like the best uh, researcher in terms of bodybuilding training. Right. But I don't think I don't think he's doing his research on guys that are geared up that are, you know, really trying to put on slabs of muscle. I think he's doing his research on like either athletes or people that want to put on some muscle, but I don't think he's doing research on people that want to put on the most amount of muscle in a short amount of time, which is the people we deal with. Right. Right. So, and just from a mindset standpoint, it's really hard for me myself. And I think it'd be really hard for me to tell somebody, no, I want you to go in and do like X amount of reps in reserve and then one less rep in reserve in, in perpetuity for X amount of weeks. Like it's just, I don't see the fun in that and I don't yeah. see, and, and again, we're in the bodybuilding. We're not trying to have fun, necessarily have fun with our training, but I think we have fun by challenging ourselves. Yeah. And, that's and that's the fun that, to me. Agreed. Yeah. Getting to that extra gear, beating a previous best, whether it's a rep or five pounds, whatever it is. So, um, and I will say, I'll just say this to finish about like Meadows programming. It's all about nomenclature. Is it four sets of 10 or is it one set of 10 all out to failure after doing three sets of, ten, of acclimator sets? It's yeah. all just on how you look at it because typically the last that you do is going to be an all out set. You sometimes with a, an intensity technique, whether it be uh, static holds or whether it be partial reps or some other technique. And so, so again, it just comes down to nomenclature. Like, and I know like, let's juxtapose this with like Dante's like DC training where 
everything is a waste except for that one all out set to failure. Yeah. Everything, if you're doing more reps than you should, other than just to warm up and acclimate the muscle to the next weight you're going to be using, are you just wasting your energy for that top set? That that's the big question. And yeah. I think John found a pretty good, um, he found a pretty good way to to get people to do a, a maximal set safely, warming your body up properly, acclimating your tissue and your mind to the to the working weight, so you can still have progressive overload in in some of his pro, in his programming. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, and and I agree with you, man. Like I'm in the same place as you, where I feel like I don't I don't know how I feel about that, and I I now so here's the way I understand it is that. The, the more, and this is from Scott Stevenson, it seems to be, this is what I've gathered from him, so this is my interpretation, I should say. These are not his <laughs> words. Um, the, the more experienced you are, the close the, the harder it is going to be to get an effective rep, you know? Like, if, if you and I were you know new to the gym, we're 16 years old, then we could probably do three reps in reserve and make progress for an extended period Absolutely. of time. You know, but I, I have to wonder how many reps are effective reps for myself in my 40s who I've done a lot of really intense stuff at this point, you know. So at the same time, I can appreciate you can't just bury yourself with endless sets. You know, we can't go to failure in every set we do for the rest of our lives. Like there's got to be, yeah. you know, some some back off. So it's it's it just it's gotten me but, thinking, though, you know, like where is that? Well, balance? But, well, well, wouldn't you agree, though, or maybe you don't, but. You base, maybe you're not, well, I guess, yeah, we'll call it your success of the session when you're walking out of the gym and you're kind of mentally remembering what you did, that top set that you did on almost every exercise, or even if it's just one or two exercises, you're basing your success for the day. Like, man, I really emptied the tank on that hack squat and I got two extra reps than I did, you know, last week, that kind of thing, you know? And I just can't imagine walking out of the gym with a different mindset, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's like, what. Yeah, it's just not my. It wouldn't be my thing. That's for sure. Not for long, yeah, at least. Yeah. No, it's hard to wrap your head around it. But again, I'm very open to learning, and I'm also open to if it works, then then do it. Yeah. yeah. So. Let me let me ask you one more question on this topic. If I were to tell you, Andrew, there is a way for you to grow bigger than you ever have in your life, but the key will be that you can't go to failure anymore for the rest of your bodybuilding, would you pick failure and enjoying training the way you enjoy, or would you pick being bigger? Oh man. That, <laughs> so that, that is, that is an extremely tough question, Scott. And, it, and it's kind of like someone not put, real, you know, but <laughs> no, well, well, so, well, it's like someone put this other question up. Like, uh, would you skip? Okay. You, you had to go a full year with complete impotence, but you could be an Olympian huh. or you had great virility and there's no chance in hell you're ever going to be an Olympian. Now, keep on. He only said for a year. For a year. Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? In Dude, a minute. I, if I could have had that deal in 2020 while Victoria yeah. was yeah. away, hell, I'd take it. I'd take it in a <laughs> I heartbeat. I was just going to say, I was, wait, I was waiting for you to say, well, like, wait a minute. I'm out of town more often than not. <laughs> I hope you'll be there cheering for me. You know, that's all I have to say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, or like me and my buddies, we'll, we'll, we'll play games in the gym. Like, all right. You, you you got four inches on your quads, but you had to lose an inch on your you-know-what. And, like, it's funny to hear the Because one of my buddies, who probably has the best genetics out of all of us and who has no desire to compete anymore, he's a really good natural pro and he won a show. Nice. He's like, hell no, I wouldn't do that. He's like, I'd yeah. go the opposite. I'd take four inches off my leg for an extra inch, whereas me and my other training partner's like, uh, yeah, I'd do it in a minute. Like, you kidding me? <laughs> 
Well, you know, the reality is, too, the bigger your legs get, the smaller it looks. Smaller, so there, there is that. Uh, Lynn's with us. She says, daily injections on prep uh, or close to show date. I read that it. I read that recently, but I think that it was actually uh, was subcutaneous. I don't know if she might have been commenting on something we said earlier. I think that may have been it. What? Yeah. Well, let me I ask, think. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Lynn. I think uh, me and Scott are both in agreement because we've talked about this both privately, off air, and on air. But um, you know, as we get deeper in the prep, or even starting the prep, that we like to do to do more frequent injections versus larger bolus injections. Uh, I I'm all about keeping blood levels as stable as possible to reduce variables and side effects. And I think you would agree with that, right? Absolutely. And especially really close to the prep, I want to be extra careful with big shots, you know, that could possibly cause a weird lump or something like that. Well, I actually divide them up. Um, Like if I was going to do like a two CC of something, I would, I actually always divide those up into one and I'll do like, one each in a rear delt or one each in a lat or something like that. Um, yeah. So you, so split them up bilaterally versus throwing two or three CCs in one area. Like, cause I agree with you. Luckily I've never had a situation like that, but I, and I've had a client that did and I've had, I've seen other people on stage that did. Here, here's a story actually, if you got a minute, Yeah. if you got a minute, what, uh, what else am I doing? I, oh, I'm busy. I know. I'm busy. I'm doing what, a podcast. <laughs> well, one of my friends is a judge, right? And he was judging a show this last year. And the best physique on stage uh, was a guy who looked impeccable from the front. He turned around from the back and he had like, he said a softball sitting in his ass cheek. Oh, uh, it was just, you couldn't, but like everything else about that, everything else but that looked amazing, he said. And so it came down to the, you know, th- they gave the guy the class win um, and it came down to the overall and you know these guys are the judges obviously you're going to talk about this you know before the night show like hey what are we going to do about so and so if we think he's winning or you know like they had to have that conversation because this guy's going to be on the poster he's going to be for the next year he just don't, he's going to don't have the picture of him from behind for the poster that's all done yeah true these pictures <laughs> are going to be on npc news like mm. so anyway they they called some of the big big wigs in the you know npc and said hey what do we do here like we, we've never had a situation where the best physique had this happen and Damn. the guy you know the second place guy is pretty darn close but he's not this guy and they and you know to the to the credit of the npc they said hey it's your show like you make the call and we'll huh. stand by you with whatever you do you know nice and i think they ultimately went with the, the guy who was probably the second best physique because they looked at it as who's the most complete meaning he did not have anything that obscured your attention away from the physique and yeah so this guy lost a, sh- a show because he had an abscess going so damn yeah, Lynn said uh, that was what I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking scar tissue show day. I mean, scar tissue is one thing, you know, but we're talking about in- inflammation. But you know what? I would say yeah. this. I, I think the the point you're getting at here, Andrew, is that uh, judges don't want to see abuse of steroids on stage. You know what I mean? Like that's it's not like- going to look good. And especially like Lynn's a female. They especially don't want to see girls yeah. that have some sort of yeah. signs, you know. They want to create the illusion that this was all, you know, that wasn't part 100%. of one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Hey, Josh Strange is with us. He says, uh, "Hey, Scott and Andrew, I work with uh, Josh, and oh, up, Josh is what's a up, strange Josh? guy, and I say that oh. because he raises freaking pythons." Oh, he's one of those, huh? Dude, he raises those like he's are... got a gazillion snakes at his house. 
like a yeah, thousand snakes. That's crazy. So he, I feel like people like that live on the edge, like a little bit. You know? <laughs> I mean, you got these beasts that you know could kill you, and I don't yeah. know how big they are, but I, I assume big enough. Uh, Dave Palumbo's into that too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Put it this way: if all those snakes decided to like rise up against him, he would have no chance. You know what I mean? If they all teamed up, I hear it's actually fairly profitable uh, as like a, a, you know, a side job or a side. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, it's work too. Like he has his he he has his he has a, a garage that's all rodents. He raises his own rodents, so he's just like to feed them. Yeah, and breeding rodents yeah. and those snakes are they he they they are really beautiful colors. Like there'll be special ones, you know, that have like they look like they're airbrushed or something, you know, and they're super. Oh, expensive. that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he also he uh, he listens. He watches Pumping Iron in his home gym. Every day he works out. Watch. Every day, yeah. So he, he so he probably can literally repeat. He he could ad lib the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. He could probably. I imagine he could. I could. Oh, I could come close to some scenes. You know what I mean? Like there's some scenes in that movie that I've seen so many times. It's just ingrained in there. Fifteen twenty years ago, I probably could. It's probably been ten years since I sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah. Like well, from start to finish, I've seen pieces since then. Well, when uh, when we do bodybuilding bingo, if you want to join me, we can watch some of Pumping Iron as part of that. That would be yes. So, be so, so I just gave away that you're going to be able to smoke me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh says uh, they're all ball pythons. They just they just ball up. So I guess they don't. Uh, they're not going to rise okay. up and attack him anytime soon. Oh, nice. To his his luck. I, I guess that's it, man. I don't think we have any other questions really? here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Do we want to do a physique update today or we want to wait till uh, Skip and uh, Nate? We could do that, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, let's finish with that. All right, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's see. I like we got, uh, let, me, let me find it here. I've got like a, there he is. Here he is. This is uh, Devin. And let me see if I can just pull this picture straight off of here. And it worked. He's got a thick back on him. I'm gonna pull up. Nice let me find both pictures here. I've got the I've got a front and back off season, and then I have a uh, I think I have a front and back off season. Maybe I just have a back off season. Okay, I've got a back off season, and uh, I've got a front on season. Let's see stage shot here. Grab that other picture too while I'm at it. Here's this back shot from. And while you're looking at these. Oops, let's see if I can kind of fit everything up here. While you're looking at these, I'm going to uh, see what his email had to say. Now, this is a client of Skip's. Okay. Um, my first inclination is Skip is doing a horrible job with you. I can't believe you got on stage with that condition. I mean, <laughs> God, you should probably get rid of the guy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, excellent. Obviously, condition is spot on for a show like this. Um it looks like it was the mother load, which is a, I think a center podium show. Um, I'm seeing the taper. I'm seeing really good back detail. Yeah. I'm almost thinking like, Hey man, let's lose the trunks. I want to see what you do in classic, honestly. Um, hmm. To do that though, I would say probably maybe put a little bit more time into the arms and I, I would still train your arms a little bit more anyway, especially the triceps. That's the first thing that's glaring at me. Um, okay. Yeah. But, Right, but the, the the back is definitely a strong point. 
Uh, yeah, back's incredible. You know, he has a really nice back and a really a really cool taper. You know, yeah, just overall. Yeah. He's. It looks like he got peeled too. They did a they did a great job on his conditioning here. Yeah, the, I guess you know to be nitpicky here. Um, because what I'm seeing on the pro league is that all the guys from the back have like really good lower lats and spinal erectors. So I might try to thicken those up a little bit. Mm. And I think by doing that, it's going to actually add more of the thick stuff everywhere else. So like we've talked about, I think last week or the time before we talked about more bent over exercises that just put the stress on that lower back. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I think that might be um, something he can do to work on because I just think, like you turn that up one level and that might be, you know, moving towards a professional level back. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm going to guess, I think this picture here of his back is new. I, I'm going to, I guess okay. this is his current off season and it looks like he's putting some more density into it. Doesn't it? Yeah, I absolutely. And I would say his arms actually look bigger too. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely his do. I would agree. Bigger. I think on arms, you know what? You can never have too much arms, right? No, nah, <laughs> ever. Um, it would be Looking cool to see. Shot. It'd be cool to see uh, to see him try classic, you know, and see how he did with that. You know, depending on how his legs look too, of course. But his legs look absolutely peeled, no matter what size they're at. Yeah, like you can see the teardrop right through the bottom of the shorts in the front shot. I like. I'm, I'm imagining him hitting this shot uh, the way he is, but then with his left arm making a bicep with it. Uh, oh I think yeah, that'd be a really cool. I think that'd be a really good classic shot on him because he's got such a nice taper yep. or even taking his right hand and putting it over his head. Yeah. I think that might even enhance the taper anymore. Um, but I would say a, you're in good hands and you look like you're doing all the right things. I would love to see what he looked like maybe at a previous show before this to see the, um, the improvement from last show to this show. Mm. That would be kind of cool to see. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think he's doing the right things. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's crazy, man, because I feel like guys at the like the high level um, in in class or excuse me, in men's physique, like they, they look absolutely insane. Like when you go to like the like the, the top tier national level yeah. guys or the pro guys, like they yeah. are just absolutely they're they're insane nowadays, you know? Well, well, I'll tell you this. I was backstage at a show in Vegas for men's physique. It was a men's physique and beanie bikini only for pros. Yeah. And it might have been like every guy was my height, so I was like, "What the heck?" Like I've never seen a pro show with with that many tall uh, men's physique guys. These guys would have won any super heavyweight class in the country. They would have walked into, and they would have been competitive if they had. I don't know about their legs. They would have been competitive on the national level. Like people don't like people like to like pick on men's physique. They don't realize how muscular these guys are. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite uh, class or uh, I keep saying classic. My favorite men's physique guy is. Um, uh, Carlos, uh, Kayaki pro. Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? No, I don't know him offhand. He, I think he's, uh, I think he's from Brazil, but he's, he's from the Massachusetts area. I think he okay. relocated there and I don't know where he lives now, but he, he's an Olympian every single year. He, he's a favorite to win any show he's in. Yeah. I think he got like fourth at the Olympia this year, but guys just got unbelievable muscularity. His taper's awesome. His posing's awesome. And I know, uh, my buddy Scott Dennis, uh, is friends with them and everyone always tells him, man, you gotta go to classic. Like he just has that look like, uh, yeah, just incredible. Yeah. I would say calves, you know, if you could bring up your calves a little bit, that's only going to help your case, you know? Uh, yeah. and, and I think overall, like his back is great. Like back is, like you said, his back is a strong point, but I would say play it up, you know, like it's, yeah, you're not exactly. going to, 
you're not going to, you know, be marked down for having more back. You know, you can have an incredible yeah. back and, and still fit into the division, too. Well, I'm just thinking about, like, you know, being at both the Arnold and the Olympia. So I guess, you know, the two best shows in the world and just seeing every single class or men's physique guy up there, their backs looked like they were bodybuilders. Like they yeah. had muscle that just hung kind of remember how Kai Green's lower lats kind of hung over um, his, his lower back area, almost almost hung over his glutes. Like I just remember most of those guys had backs like that. And yeah. um so, yeah, you're right. Like, you, you can't have enough back. You can't have enough arms. You can't have enough anything, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Arms really change your physique. Like, you can take a guy who doesn't have a lot of muscle, and then you put good arms on him, and it's all of a sudden, it, it's a game changer. And I feel like if you have game good changer. arms in this division, especially, I, I think it, it could be really helpful. You don't you don't get much of an opportunity to pose, you know? You're just standing no. there. You're standing there from the front. You're standing there from the back. You're done. It's over. And I feel like it could only it could only help. Shoulders are great. You know, shoulders are a yeah. real standout on him. And I think that the, mm -hmm. between like the the shape between the from the front there, looking at like the pec to the shoulders to the the waist taper, you know, like all that mm -hmm. comp combined, I think it really makes for a nice look for this division overall. So just it, it making it the. Here's what I see at the pro level and at that high amateur level is like they take a great physique and they just make it like unbelievably wacky. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I think that sometimes with men's physique and I think we're both kind of leaning. This is what we're I feel like we're both kind of saying this that like I see some guys in men's physique, crew, they, they try to hold it back. And they're like, I don't need to get that big. Yeah. I'm only doing men's physique. But we could tell you that the bigger you are, the better you're going to do. You know, the wackier yeah, you are. The national level and pro level, absolutely. At the pro level, you're going to have to be a big guy no matter yeah. what. And at the national level, like, you're not making a first call out unless you have the, the level of tissue. Like, I look at it this way. When you go to, like, these shows and you look at the top guys in the first call out of men's physique, they look like bodybuilders. Like, yeah, they're they just really hitting do. men's physique poses. Yeah. Right? Like, like they've developed beautiful physiques that they just decided to wear board shorts. So, yeah, um, yeah great, great future, great physique. Um, definitely look for you out there uh, next year. I Has he done that, a national show? Uh, I'm not sure. He didn't say. But I think the issue can be um, it, it can be the guys who do have that level of muscle, they fit right in at those bigger shows. Mm -hmm. But then I've seen it happen where they don't fit in at the state. Same with yeah. bikini, you know, like, like Andrea. Yeah looks big compared to some of the girls at the state level, but then you get her to the national yeah. level and like her, her in, in, by herself, her delts look huge or with the, the state level girls, her delts look huge and you get her up there next to like the amateur Olympia girls. And it's like, Oh, her delts fit in, you know? So here's my advice for athletes like that is obviously if you're taking it to the uh, level that she has and the attention that she's paying to it, spend the money and go travel and do shows where like Sandy, Steve and Tyler are judging. Yeah. Those are the judges that are going to judge at nationals. They're the judges that judge at pro shows, especially yeah. Sandy for the women. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense to be seen by those judges, especially if you have an outlier physique when you're in your local Joe Blow show and you stand out and they're like, oh, that girl should be doing figure or that girl should be doing this. I'll tell you this. I tell all the girls that I work with in bikini, you should look like a figure athlete in the gym when you're dieted down, like with the way your shoulders and everything look, you should look like a figure athlete. People should be confused if you're high level, like they should be confused as to whether you're, you switched over to figure or some <laughs> other division because your shoulders and back are just so the girls are that built. I mean, yeah. I, I've been backstage at probably 15 or 20 pro shows now and 
there's muscle on all these girls. There really is, man. Yeah, they, like the level that they've taken it to is it is phenomenal. And that's, you know what, and, and to Andrea's credit, she made that decision. Our state-level show we did this past year, we went to the Arizona, the women's extravaganza, which was like that was a go. that was a good place to be where Sandy was there, you know, versus mm-hmm. like you said, I've seen that happen. I've seen it happen in men's physique as well. You know, they, they get told yeah. that they should be in classic or they should be in bodybuilding, yeah. you know, because well, meanwhile, just, the thing is, these judges are your local judge. They they never leave the state. They don't have the same experience as some of these other judges that know how to accurately judge physiques that are going to be going on to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lynn's still with us. What she say here? She says, uh, Sandy is who told me. So uh, I coached Lynn years ago. She started in okay. bikini. Uh, and, and I believe she was master's then, too. Uh, okay. We got we got her, like, so fucking peeled, dude. Like, yeah. like, like figure yeah. peel, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she did okay. She looked, it was the best look she could have. You know what I mean? Like, it was for mm-hmm. her body. And she looked good. And then she kept putting on muscle, and they told she went to figure, and uh, she went to women's physique. Are you in bodybuilding now, Lynn? Did you go to bodybuilding, <laughs> or she might still be in women's physique? But she's put on an incredible okay. amount of muscle over the years. Sounds like she's got better genetics than us. Yeah, I know, right? And she and she and she works hard. So right. I mean, I would love it if someone you know if there's something beyond bodybuilding. If someone's like, oh, you should be in a different like you need to go to the up the next you know, whatever class. divisions about that. Yeah. yeah, like as if there was like, you know, another thing beyond bodybuilding, you know, yeah. you're too muscular. <laughs> you see, I, I guess uh, I was talking to Dave Crossland. They have different divisions within bikini in, in the UK. They I had guess I didn't know that. Yeah, they had like uh, and it was for one organization, but they have like bikini and then bikini trained. And then they have figure <laughs> and figure trained. Wait, wait, wait. So it, it, is the deciding factor between like trained and non-trained, like the level of muscularity or is it like novice versus non-novice? It's the, it's the level of condition. It's, it's all about the, uh, how lean you are. So, oh, and Lynn's, uh, no, she's still doing physique. She's going to okay. be 50 this month. Holy shit. Wow. Holy Congratulations. Shit. She doesn't, I thought she was younger than me. So, so there's <laughs> that. Then, then she's doing everything right. We got a question for you, Andrew. When are you competing again? I was just wondering this today. Uh, I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> it hasn't. All right. You got a lot I mean, going right on. Now, yeah. We, you know, I have, after, you know, last year's show, I just went on TRT and that's where I've been since. And I honestly, to be honest, I haven't even been bodybuilding the last uh, two, three months. It's, we have a situation at home with our dog who's not very well. And um, I'm, kind of embarrassed to say I'm barely eating four or five meals a day. I'm going to the gym three to four days, you know, just it's my priorities need to be somewhere else right now Yeah. Uh, because at the same time, uh, Rachel's competing and she's going to have a nice long pro season this year. And okay. so we're making sure everything's in, in order for her to have a successful season versus, you know, cause I need to stay home more to be with the dog and everything. So it's, yeah. so, you know, right now I don't have any plans at all. I just, you know, just trying to, just trying to maintain and, and do the best I can. I will say this is the worst I've ever looked in my bodybuilding career, I think. But uh, right but after training okay pro I, and then yeah, you know, you get your pro card but, and and then you're feeling yeah, you're but, like you're you're worse, but you know. It's it's one of these things where I know like this will pass. You know, yes. like like I need to be like this this dog is you know, he's 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 been with me my whole adult life. He's um he's I love the dog to death and uh 
you know, and obviously like, you know, the passing of John has kind of played into this a little bit too, with just sure. a lot of negatives. So, but I know that this will pass and I know that, you know, once we move on to the next stage, um, you know, I'll, I'll be motivated again. Dude, I feel like there's a lot we can look at in that that's positive because we all deal with crappy stuff. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the key is, is how do we, how do we handle it as bodybuilders, you know, and sometimes just hanging in there and just trying to plug along. It's not like you quit. You know what I mean? We can't always be on that high at at our peak, at our best constantly. You know, it's just the way yeah. life, life is not it, life does not allow that to happen, you know, not for exactly. not for ever, you know, but you will have your windows, uh, you know, and you hang in there. Yeah. And you find I that mean, I've had, and then you exploit that, you know, that's what we do. Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate to have, you know, long stretches of positivity and where all the ducks were in a row, whether career wise or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But uh, and I know, like I just said, this this will pass and, um, you know. But I just want to be here for my friend, my dog, and yeah. um, and then uh, you know there'll probably be a little bit of time after that for me to get my shit together. But then, yeah, I feel like I have a little bit more in me still. And uh, well, yeah, right now just focusing on him, work, and making sure Rachel's going to be at her best. So that's cool. But that's thank cool. you. Dog. When does uh, when's Rachel uh, planning on starting her season? Like early or or what? Yeah, I'm not allowed to say when, but okay. early. Early. <laughs> just so in case there's some people from our we, – we got people always ask. Like, she looks like she's almost in shape right now when she's walking around the gym. So people are like, oh, you're in shape, huh? You're, you're competing this week. But yeah. we, we, we like to you, – you know how I like to do it. Like, I like to show up the day before a show and be like, oh, I'm competing in the show. She's yeah. kind of the same way. She, Fair enough. Honestly, there's no one that is more – head down dedicated like you don't talk to her at the gym she won't talk to me like yeah <laughs> you know what i mean she's oh yeah like uh a, a true true professional um absolutely that's cool man that's cool and it's cool that you guys have each other in that and you know and it's cool too that you can you can find your place in the relationship that you're not always going to be in the, the the you know you don't have to always be in the star in the spotlight you know oh she's she's definitely the good one she's made first call outs at the chicago pro <laughs> You know, yeah, I mean, that says so, a lot, man. That says a lot. Yeah. Dude, bikini is like, I'd say bikini feels like it's such, like, I feel like it's probably, it's, I, I don't want to say it's, it's the most competitive division, but damn, is it the most competitive division. I, as someone that watches lots of pro shows and, and lots of top amateur shows, I think it absolutely is because like, think of it this way. We go into like the Olympia knowing roughly who our top three or four are going to be like, sure. Maybe the order changes one or two, but I think we all picked Rami or we all picked, you know, Brandon, like in that top two. Right. Yeah. So we know those things at the Olympia for bikini. Like you don't know, no, like you don't, you got to see them and they judge them over and over again. And then even any professional show, some girl you never heard of, cause we've seen this many times can turn pro one week and then go and win a show the next week after. Like, oh yeah. So the talent is just continually turning over. So yeah, yeah, and you could see someone that you expect to do really well gets marked way down at any pro show. You know, it's yeah. and, and I have to say, uh, as a coach, it it's kind of scary to to know that. You know what I mean? Because all you can do yeah. is bring somebody in to be their absolute best. But when we say that you don't know who's going to show up, like we, I feel like with bodybuilding, 
you can like quote unquote prepare for battle a little bit more yeah. than bikini. It's like well, we can just only do your best, you know. Here's a prime example, like because we were doing, we were talking a little bit before nationals about, you know, we knew Nate was going to be one of the guys. We knew Carlos okay. was going to be one of the guys, and we knew the guys in the heavyweights that were going to be like top two, three. We knew the guys in the in the light heavies. We don't really talk much about the lights and the middles, unfortunately. Sorry, guys, but we knew those top heavier heavier classes. We knew who was going to be in the mix there. Jordan, you know. Um, uh, Justin Shire, we knew all those guys were going to be in a mix. It's just whose day was it going to be right at the national level for bikini. And we follow this. Like we don't know who's necessarily going to be in the first call out. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it, and, and the classes are like 30, 40 deep too. So keep they that are. in mind. So, yeah. Yeah. It's nuts, yeah. man. You just, you, you don't even know like somebody who's really good might not quite get the same look, you know, in, in yeah. any, any given show. I was on another podcast uh, last year and they were kind of shitting on bikini like oh it's like not even competitive the girls don't even train hard and and they uh uh you know it's so easy to pick who the winner is and I'm sitting there I'm like you guys have never been to like a top amateur pro show or a <laughs> amateur show or a pro show have you like yeah. like you have no idea what you're talking about so I just kept my mouth shut but I'm like guys like that, that doesn't look very good if you're trying to attract any females for, for That's true podcast, too. You know? Yeah. Did they know that your wife was a bikini pro at the time? I don't I have no I, I don't I'm think so. I'm guessing no. I'm going to guess no on no. that one. No. No. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us and Andrew, I appreciate you actually making it to the show. It was uh on time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could do this, man. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a good time. Good show. I appreciate everybody hanging out, you know, all, all your comments, all that stuff. Uh, guys, if you want to reach out to Andrew, go over to bodyberry.com. You can hit him up over there. Uh, drop him a message. You can reach me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to support our programming, you can do so in one of three ways. Well, probably a lot more than that. You can like keep watching, number one. That would be the most important way to support our programming. But you could also shop with True Nutrition and use our code THINK. Um, I, uh, I'm going to pick up some MPA muscle intrusion, by the way. I, I've been using PeriMD. But I'm, I'm a big fan of the flavor of MPA muscle intrusion. So I've got that rolling. Well, plus, uh, you got to show props to uh, both our fallen soldiers out there, both Matt Porter and John Meadows. So. I know, right? And they both came out with both an incredible intra-workout product, too. So yep. there is that. Um, of course, if you're in Canada, go to supplementsource.ca. Uh, check that out. Guys, we talked a lot about uh, John Meadows today. Uh, check out his training plans. Is it mountaindogdiet.com that they can go to, Andrew, to... I like that shirt, man. I was noticing that all through the program, actually. Yeah, I had these made up for uh, myself, Missy, and uh, a few of the other you know teams that went out there for the Arnold Classic uh, this year. But, That's uh, cool. But yeah, mountaindogdiet.com. You can buy programs. You can uh, buy diets. I don't necessarily do the diets. Chris Edmonds does. Yes. He's an excellent coach as well. Um, and we, we have a pay site with just tons of good information. So uh, I think we're putting out at least eight or 10 articles or videos every month with different uh, aspects, whether it's longevity, training, chemical. Scott Stevenson's got a great article on carnitine. I know you did a podcast with him about it. He was uh, leading up to that an article. So I guess the article is more in depth too. Yeah, I mean, he can only do so I much think he's put podcast. About, I think he's put about 40 hours into this thing. So I believe that. Yeah, I believe yeah. that. Yeah, check that out. I took, by the way, I took 600 milligrams today of L-carnitine before training. I saw that. Yeah, that was a. I usually don't dose it that high, but I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna see what happens. I'm gonna, 
gonna you know we'll see what we'll see what goes on but yeah with, with a little little slim a little gh a little uh it's good it's the good. whole cocktail it's good we'll nice. see if i gain five pounds by tomorrow if so i'll keep doing it yeah there you go guys we appreciate you hanging out with us for another episode of blood sweat and gear with andrew barry i'm scott mcnally guys we'll see you soon thanks for watching thank you